Welcome to the Super Expander Podcast. My name is Corrine Phelps, your host. I'm a business and growth coach, money mindset expert, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. My journey has taken me all over from working in finance to owning a boutique fitness studio. I found myself burnt out, miserable, and questioning everything. Saying things to myself like, there's got to be more to life than this. Refusing to settle for a mediocre existence, I went all in, learning how to harness untapped potential and rewire the subconscious mind to create an extraordinary life. The last 10 years have been a crash course in self-love, building a business, creating community, building wealth, and doing what it takes to just freaking go for it. My mission is to help you align to your purpose, Rewire your subconscious to support your big dreams and vision and create a life that you're absolutely obsessed with. So sit back, tune in, and prepare to expand. Shizu Akusa is a Wall Street refugee and a lifelong wellness entrepreneur. Her roots lie in her mental and physical healing journey with Ayurveda, TCM, and Japanese compo medicine, rooted in over 5,000 years of science and tradition. She's also the founder of Apothecary, the world's first plant-based pharmacy, getting to the root cause of our health issues, not just treating the symptoms. Apothecary prefers plants over pills and thinks that you will too. Their goal is always to keep toxins out and not bring them in. And they believe that through their plant-based medicine, that we have the ability to unite the body mind and soul into balance. I am so excited to have this conversation with Shizu. Hello, hello, super expanders. How are you doing? Welcome back to the show. So excited today because I mean, I think I say this like all the time. I think I started the podcast for sure because I get to have the conversation, these conversations with the coolest people, people that I oftentimes wouldn't have the opportunity to have conversations with. So today happens to be one of those. I'm actually like a a little bit of a fangirl happening here that I get to have this conversation because I have been a fan, a user of her products for a really, really long time. So this is kind of like a full circle moment. So super excited to introduce you to Shizu Okusa. Hi guys, it's so nice to meet everybody and thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here again around Thanksgiving, which is just like a time of, I think, just reflection. So thank absolutely. You. So much gratitude. So thank you. I mean, I'm both gratitude. So thank you. You're super, super busy woman. And the fact that we, we have enough time to, to hop on here and just have this conversation is, is really awesome. So I appreciate yeah. you for that. Of course, in DC, we got to represent, man. I know, right? It's not, it's really funny too because there, there's a lot of really big businesses out there in the world that started in DC. Right? Yeah. You know, a lot of times people think that so many of these places, like so many places start, they have to start in New York, they have to start in LA to have yeah. some sort of real trajectory. But there are a lot of serious businesses, big nationwide businesses that started. Just as a, a dream, a thought right here in, in the D.C. area. So Very true. Yeah. All right. So we go deep. We, we dive right into it. So tell me, who is Shizu? Deep down on a soul level, I, I'd love to know. Yeah. I mean, wow. I'm not even going to start with like my career because so often I feel like we focus on our resume virtues and not on our eulogy virtues. And one thing that I've really been trying and striving for, I think, since I left my career on Wall Street was like, 
how do I optimize for my eulogy side of the life? Because I know mm. death is real. Death has been a huge part of kind of like what has driven me to the intensity and speed, I think, of which I have grown as a human and built my businesses. Um, and I, I, yeah, so I think high level, I was born and raised in Vancouver. I'm Canadian. I'm also an immigrant Japanese um, second generation from my parents. Uh, my parents were both um, immigrants from Japan. My dad was from Tokyo. My mom was from Osaka. They actually met in Vancouver, which I think was a really interesting story. Back in the day when we didn't have social media, my mom did his laundry and he fixed his like her lights and stuff in exchange. And like, that's how they met. And anyway, you know, so that uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a telling story because my dad was always a farmer and he always just used his hands and was always immersed into nature. And my mom was a photographer, so really was like creatively inspired and very much free spirits. And I was born in a family of three. Um, so I have two older sisters, um, one of which is in New York and the other one is a full-time mom based in Vancouver. Uh, but I am a entrepreneur. I have been an entrepreneur for the last 12 years. Um, and as I mentioned, I started my career working in Wall Street, but I quickly realized like I belong in nature. I belong in creativity and where I really feel at peace and really with myself and feels congruent every day because we all know what it feels like to like wake up and not feel like we're in our path, not feel like this is what we were supposed to do in this world. And I had too many of those kinds of days in a row and I realized like something had to change. And so moved my career and shifted that again to becoming an entrepreneur, which is can mean so many different things. But um, for now, uh, I have created two uh consumer product good companies. One was called Drink, based in DC, and one was called Apothecary, which is a natural pharmacy, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more of. But um, And I also do some angel investing. I also do a ton of coaching and mentorship of other, you know, either minority women, um, female founders in general, uh, just people that need support that like I definitely needed support over the years because I didn't know what I was doing in a new country as a woman, as an Asian person, just all the different things, but nothing has held me back in terms of what I wanted to pursue. So that's a little bit on me. Mm. So first of all, I love that you were talking about it on a eulogy base, which is why that is why I start with that question specifically, because you know, from living in DC and you know, being in the New York area now in LA, so so often no one like like it's rare that someone asks you a question in the first few minutes of getting to know you that has anything to do with like who you are yeah. like deep down. It's always like, Oh, okay. So what do you do? And yeah. I get the context because it's like looking for common threads and like, um, you know, how, how you connect can connect potential possible people that you might have in common, all of the things. But I feel like it does such a disservice and disconnects us from actually who we are because when we know who we are deep down, that's when I think we get to step into like the things that you're talking about right now about being aligned and having as as an entrepreneur doing something that really is full, in full congruency with who whom you are. And that I think is talking about it and looking at it from that context and looking at the success that you've had in your in your life and in your business, that has to be a huge part of it. So let's talk a little bit about alignment, how you connected to your own personal alignment and then turn that into two big companies. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I, I will say that like the first one is the world. I feel like whenever people are entrepreneurs, it's like it's very uh, hard to go back to being employed again because it's just like I always joke to people that like I'm unemployable at this point because I like that too. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, like we don't know any other way now, right? And so I will say that the first business was not an easy, you know, like it took nine years to exit the company. And to the scale of which we got to in nine years was like actually a fraction of the second company. And so in many ways, it's like the first business. And I think it actually helps to think of it this way is like, it's practice. The first company is so much practice. It's so much practice to get you to the next place. And everything is like that. Every job is frankly practice. And maybe practice never ends, right? And so I think from an alignment perspective, it was like, I learned so much about what I didn't want. And this is kind of like dating, I honestly think, too. It's like you learn more about what you don't want. And then you closer and closer get to this place of like, oh, this feels right. Okay, now I know kind of what I actually want based on process of elimination and trial. Um, But I think for me, it's always been rooted around values and like what are my core values and making sure I surrounded myself with people that A, had the same core values but be believed also in the product mission of what we were intended to create. And so, um, for example, with Apothecary, you know, we are creating Mother Nature's Pharmacy. So we provide clean alternatives to over-the-counter supplements and other forms of medicine that, frankly, like I didn't recognize the ingredients. I didn't know where it was sourced from, everything in pill form. In other words, must have been a better way to provide medicine in a more preventative health way um, and clean. And so... That was really the mission of the business. But I think from a values perspective, it was like, I knew that I wanted this to grow fast. I wanted this to be a market size that was also significantly larger than my first company, which was based in DC. So I think, again, it's like, find something that like is mission aligned to what your passions are and what a problem that you were trying to solve. And then from there, surround yourself again with the people that like aligned or with your values because that just makes it easier and it makes it fun and then from there things kind of just happen a little more naturally and organically right when you surround yourself with incredible smart people um and then for us it was like growth is a huge value for me learning was a huge value communication and respect so we are very very what i call radically transparent with one another even when it's hard we call each other in we don't call each other out um, and so it's, it's just, it's small things like that, that like I've learned with the first company that it was like very fast and still with the second one and kind of like where we, where we are today. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You're speaking my language over here in so many <laughs> ways. I, I feel like I want to reverse back and ask you so many questions, but the first thought that comes, yeah. it comes up is you were just talking a lot about values yeah. and I love that because I feel that it's something that gets glossed over too much. And I think when people start talking about core values, it's like kind of boring and kind of unsexy, right? But I, the it's actually the sexiest thing you can possibly talk about when you're talking about creating a super successful business as well as an exciting and happy life. Like when you're super clear on the things that are super important to you, all of a sudden it makes it so easy to say no to everything that's not in alignment, right? And it also attracts in so much talent into when you're like hiring a business in your business or growing a business, right? Because you're clear, they can feel it. And you're like, ah, oh, this is something I can get down with. Totally. Clarity. Clarity is huge because I think so often right now, everything can feel very uncertain. 
And so when you find leaders that are clear, even if they don't know, but they are very clear in what they see, that is something that I've always also admired. And I think my mentors have kind of showed me that over the years. And it, and it takes a while to kind of get comfortable in your own skin to also be clear. And I think that's where sometimes people call founders delusional because we're so clear in something that nobody else can see. Um, but to your point, I think a lot of that is rooted in values. And what's so great about values is when you write them down and they're part of your employee handbook and they're part of your mission statement, it very much weeds out the people that are not in line with that. Because if communication is a core value, right, and you say very specifically, part of that core value is to respond within 24 hours. If you don't do that, that's clearly not a core value of yours. And therefore, this is not a great place for you. So it makes it so much easier and transparent about who you need to surround yourself with. And it's just, it, again, it's just, it's so clear. It's sexy. Yeah. yeah. And the expectations that come along with that. Yeah. So on that communication note, I also, I, I got the chills when you, when you said, we have the hard conversations, we have the conversations even when they're hard yeah. and you call people in, not call people out. First of all, language is so powerful, right? When I always think when someone says, oh, I have to do that. I'm like, no, you get to do that. You get, yeah. I yeah. You get to do it. And calling people in is an invitation to explore, explore the the hard stuff. And I think that it also breeds um, just a, a tone and environment for deeper, over open communication. Yeah. That I don't know. It sounds it sounds like a really mind blowing culture to be a part of. One that's I think pretty rare out there in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. Um, I mean, it's it's it's. I, 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 for sure in my past have called people out, you know, I, I know that, I but know. I also like at Goldman, people yelled at me in front of everybody on the trading floor being like, she, she's, are you dumb? What the fuck? Like, excuse my swear words, but it's like, you know, that bond trade or that equity trade or whatever. And people on Wall Street are very aggressive, but that was like the first job that I had. So it was very clear from there, like, okay, how do I tone that culture down, but also take what I really admired also about it. And, but so to your point, it's like, how do you put people call in, call people in? And I think part of that is just from love and grace where it's like compassion is at the root of it, but nobody grows and nobody benefits from coddling, you know, one another. And, and so that's something that like, we've also kind of like really made sure that when we do the hiring process and like we take 90 days to hire like a single human on our team, which is a long time. And yeah. we like our our retention is so incredibly strong, probably for that very reason as well. So I encourage everyone to like have a very rigorous hiring process and screening process. And I think the hard things about hard things is very, very true because they're hard. But like you also just feel kind of better after knowing that you've gone through significantly hard things over a period of time and life becomes lighter and lighter over time. Yeah. So I think that I think the saying is when it's upfront hard it makes for an easier future when it's up when it's upfront easy it makes for a harder future i love that i love that and and Corey, don't you think like people sometimes mistaken easy things as hard you know oh. like and it and it i think when you've gone through so many things and everybody's gone through them it's so it starts to get clear about what things are hard and save your energy for actually hard things Versus when we are stressing about little things that like we know are not hard and they're frankly, like you want to call someone, call them, 
don't don't spend your energy wait, like should I call them should I pay? <laughs> like no just do it so like it, those are examples of just like energy is so it's rare hold it tight create boundaries don't create walls retain your spirit and like just yeah I don't know I'm all for that uh, yes okay so now we're gonna get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty so sure. being being like a finding your values what was your process to get super clear on because we get we can have like a laundry list of values but we have to kind of look at our top I don't know like maybe five maybe yeah. a little bit beyond that but I think when we yeah you have to have your core five at least yes. in my opinion yeah, so I'll actually send you the spreadsheet that I have, but it's, it's this exercise that I do every year. And I don't do it in January because January for a health and wellness business is like insane. So we like, there's no time to slow down. But I do this in December around Christmas time. It's called the values card sort. And I do this exercise every Christmas with my family, but we basically, it's this Google spreadsheet and it has like, I think... 28 values on there from like commitment, relationship, sex, femininity, spirituality, growth, financial security, like all the things. And you, I, you cut them all up and then you rank the top seven and take a photo of it and then share it to everybody. And we all guess whose is whose. And then I also now have an inventory over the years of what my pictures look like. So it keeps me accountable of like, oh, why isn't financial security maybe a top one versus wealth? They're very different, actually, right? Or like growth versus learning, you know, and so it, it, it keeps us accountable. And so I do that exercise. And that helps to really drive the conversation, I think, around values. Oh, how fun. I like looking at like, the idea of looking at the over it over the like, seasons too, because yeah. we, have, we have seasons of where our priorities Yep. And things shift and change, right? You might be going into a season where certain things are not, you know, your core values for right now. Like, and I think that people can get a little bit sucked into the notion that your core values are written in stone and they're, they're not. They get to ebb and flow as, as do you evolve as a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how Apothecary came to be, all about it, because I have some questions about, I mean, it's a, it's a big thing to create a product, to source a product, so these might be selfish, just curious questions of things no, that please. I just have always yeah. wanted to know, and I get yeah. to do that, because, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. That, that's why I started this podcast, because I get to like, ask really, I'm like, oh, these are questions I've always wanted to know that I couldn't be yeah, the answers it. to, <laughs> so tell me a little bit how, how Apothecary started. Yeah. So, uh, so my first company was drink, right? JRNK was a cold press juice brand and a pop care actually kind of started on the side of that. So a lot of times people say, how did you get your second idea? Cause I think second time when you exit your first company, I think there's a period of time where you're kind of like, what do I do next? Do I invest? Do I become a venture capitalist? Do I create my next thing? And it can be this really confusing, dark journey because that we knew what it was so like to know exactly what to do every day. And when that gets kind of taken from you and you kind of feel lost, it can be, it can be kind of a weird place. And so it was fortunate enough that I, fortunate or unfortunate enough that I was building two companies at the same time. And so I knew though that like drink, I had to kind of move on. I knew that I was no longer, frankly, I think all entrepreneurs should do, do this exercise is like, are you a creator? Are you a builder or are you an ender? Because I think those are the three main personality types of entrepreneurs. And I know for a fact I am a creator and kind of a builder. 
but I don't really do well at the later stages of building. And I'm definitely not an ender. And an ender is kind of like, you know, exit or IPO kind of CEO and whatever. And so I'm a, the, I'm on the front end. And so after nine years of drink, I actually think probably looking back, probably at year four, I might be, maybe should have started the transition process. But granted, I probably wouldn't have found apothecary if I didn't go on. But really, the journey was juice was great for like physical health. And like when you were pressed for time to get nutrition. But I think my mental health started to really be of question. <laughs> after doing nine years of entrepreneurship and being in health and wellness, I also felt a ton of guilt with that because I was like, Oh, but I'm in this space. Why do I feel unwell? And I'm like, telling everyone and preaching to the gospel that I'm well, and I really wasn't. And but it was the mental health stuff and kale juice isn't going to solve that. So in I go to Walgreens or CVS and I was like trying to find melatonin or some kind of pill to help me go to bed. I was like really struggling to sleep and relax. And I just noticed like I was popping pills like throughout the day. Like, you know, we all have that. It's like your supplements and then your vitamins and then your whatever pills and collagen pills. I was like, I feel like I'm dying. And I was like, there must be a better way to provide clean herbal medicine or clean alternatives and better for you products that like, frankly, has happened in food but not yet in supplements or not yet in the pharmacy aisle. And so I went back to sort of my traditions, at least how I grew up, which was drink this gross oozy drink made of roots and herbs and this like reishi and ashwagandha and all these weird Japanese herbs that my mom used to make for me. And we grew up with this stuff about preventative health. And so apothecary, again, is what I would then call Mother Nature's Pharmacy. And we bridge Eastern rituals and science and medicine to Western ailments and people and problems. And we do that in a really brand forward and approachable and beautiful way that combines and brings nature as medicine. And so that's really where we are today. We're about 47 people now. We're still hiring um, we just closed our second round of financing in September and we're growing, you know, we've doubled every year. We look to double again this year. Um, and then we're going into retail next year as well. Oh, so exciting. Thank you. So when you put a source for yeah. something like this, yeah, how do you go about doing that? I mean, I'll be honest, I was so, so grateful that this business launched right before COVID because if, you know, if we were starting this in March 2020, it was nearly impossible because we went to Asia, we like created our supply chain, we like went to visit factories and all of that. And it was just an eight month process to come because the industry of herbs and adaptogens is incredibly fragmented. It's like smallhold farmers and like keeping them accountable, making sure the quality is up where it is, making sure we're doing the third party testing and all of that. And so I realize now why none of there's not that many competitors in the space is because the capital intensity and the amount of time it took to create the supply chain is all proprietary. I mean, we literally built that out from scratch. And so we now have three distributors that buy on our behalf for like, 50 different farmers and different herbs that we buy across the world. So we now buy from like, I mean, we buy from like Asia, we buy from Korea, China, Japan, uh, we buy from South America, we buy from like Peru, uh, Bolivia, Brazil, like we're 
we're very much like a global sourcing of herbs and we try to do domestic where possible in terms of climate. And those mostly are like mushrooms like the lion's mane or shaga mushroom from the Northwest. Um, and so we take then those powder or those full herbs and then we um, dry freeze them and then we um, put them into powder form so that they're much more bioavailable. And like it was very conscious decision not to do pill form because like, again, like it's just, it's a pill versus powder. You can kind of have it a lot more versatile. You can put it into food, you can put it into drinks, uh, but we are launching our first uh, liquid format actually coming out in a month. It's a tincture. Ooh, that's exciting too. I have a question for you. Have you joined the Super Expander free mentorship community? If not, what are you waiting for? Stop what you're doing right now and text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. Text the word mentor to 202-918-3235. I send out weekly tips and inspiration to help you grow your business, to step into your wealthiest, most highest self, to harness your full potential and live an exceptional and extraordinary life. And the best part is it's really me sending those messages. So text me, say hello, and send me your questions. Okay, so what I just heard you say, which I think is super exciting, and I'll, I'll say why. So you have direct relationship with the farmers, right? Yes. And then your district, the people who are buyers on your behalf go and, and handle all of that. Yes. And why I think that that's hugely important is because I think a lot of people, when they think of stuff like supplements, um, yes. this kind of falls in that category because there's a lot of white labeling going yes. on out yes. there and I want to make sure that the people listening know that yep. your product is not that you're not just slapping on some label that came from this company that's like hey go make money off people you don't know where it's coming from but you're yeah. like legitimate yeah authentic yeah real stuff inside of those bottles yeah I mean that's also like I mean real herbalism is not pill form you know, the pills often came as gel capsules as an extra, as like, if you don't want to taste it, here's some capsules to put it in, but it doesn't naturally come in pill form. And the whole thing of food as medicine happens because it's, it's food, right? And so powders to us was a way to extend shelf life and keep it as a food format, but there's actually not a ton of supplement companies out there in the world, frankly, that do still do, that do powders. Like you can think of Four Sigmatics and Mudwater as much more of a food company than they are a supplement company. Mm -hmm. um, Athletic Greens is like, like a food supplement company and maybe there's Nutrafol as well, but nothing in comparison of like our breadth of kind of like needs and problems that we've, you know, solve because um, we have like over 50 SKUs and we custom formulate all of them. We have seven herbalists on our team. We have a doctor in house, like, we really go hard in the R and D and go really hard into testing. And I think the important another important facet of that of that too is just in terms of food being medicine, it all starts first, okay, if you're looking at the bottle and you see the color, right? Because we eat with our eyes first, right? But when it hits your mouth, there is a huge piece that impacts like your gut microbiome and your absorption, all of it from it starting there versus taking a pill, letting it slide down your throat, and it doesn't begin until it gets into your digestive system. Totally. Agreed. Yep. 
And the the capsule can also stop from some of those ingredients being absorbed properly if it's not the right kind of gel capsule. So it's like, how much research does the consumer, that shouldn't be on the consumer to have to kind of go down, right? Which is yeah. insane, though. But no one talks about it. I know. It's, it's like a full-time job as a PhD. Really I have this, like, understanding you need to have, like, a PhD in science and all totally. these different things just so you know how to live your life. Totally. Totally. Right. And to, like, buy, you know, sleeping stuff. Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay, so what a what an exciting journey because you create the, the supply chain. Now let's look at that. I now I'm kind of curious. So COVID hit. Then what yeah. happened for you? Oh my gosh. Uh so we were a team of like three people at the start of January twenty twenty. And then I hired at the time our part-time email person who was in New Zealand and she was struggling to get back to the US. And I was like, Jen, like I want you to join my team. I want you to be full-time employee number one. And uh, and that happened in March. So it was like the two of us and then, you know, our facility manager. And then we had two contractors. And then when COVID hit, everyone was on lockdown and everyone was buying anything that they could that would remotely keep them healthy or, you know, stay healthy or food in general, right? Like we were just like pantry hoarding. So that that happened to us and we were not ready. Um, not in terms of fulfillment. And so it was also like, I was in New York at the time, our fulfillment center was in Virginia. So I really like struggled to know like, okay, do I take the risk and take the train and go to Virginia, which I didn't have to do, but like everything was virtual and telling people how to like pack and ship an order. We were hiring, we were trying to keep six feet away. One person got COVID and we had to close everything down. And it was just like, there was so much and nobody sees, you know, mm-hmm. and I will say like the beginning of COVID, people were much more like, like kind about shipping timelines mm-hmm. and grace. And there was grace with it. Nowadays, people are, no, they, they want their packages in like three days. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's, so, it's all out the window. It really is. Yeah. So, okay. So I mean, there's, I, I keep I mean, there, there's so you much. 8 million questions on through all of this. First, I'm also just mind blown. Just a few short, like less, what, like two years ago, you were, you said you were hiring your first employee and now yeah. you said 47 employees, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's, that's huge amount of growth over, a, I think, a short amount of time. So that's congratulations to you. So along this way, big, big moves happening all of the time. There had to have been someone, probably a million people who made a massive impact. Who I'd love to hear a super expander story or, you know, two, if you want to share two. Yeah. Um, well, I'll do one good and one, one bad. Um, oh. Why don't we start with, with the bad one? Because I, I want to end it on a, on a positive note. I mean, the bad things are always ends up as good things, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's funny, I think as an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, it's like a series of no's until it's a yes. And so we filmed for Shark Tank in 2020. And so this was also happening in during the peak of COVID. So this was like April or May. I applied before COVID and they called me and they're like, we want you to submit your final video. And we would potentially, if it goes well, fly you out to actually film and I was like, oh, this is definitely not going to happen. So I was like, whatever. I was in New York and I like did my filming from the kitchen, called me. They're like, you're in. And I was like, this is insane. This is August now, 2020. So I packed my stuff. And at the time we didn't have COVID. We barely had COVID tests, but we did. We had like five COVID tests sent to my place in New York. And then I flew myself to Vegas because 
during the time um, LA was shut down in California County or LA and they were, they rented out the uh, Venetian at the hotel and they closed everything off and we had a hotel room and all of the, the entrepreneurs were in their own rooms. We weren't able to leave our rooms for 10 days, like not even to get ice. And so we were stuck in our rooms until we were called down to film. And I remember my day was like September 12th or something. And I went down, it was a Sunday and you know, it was a really mind boggling experience because the lights are so bright. You're kind of scripted in terms of what you say in the beginning, but then nothing else after is scripted in terms of Q&A investor questions. And so we had Damon, we had Mr. Wonderful, we had um, Barbara, and uh, oh my God, her name is um, Lori and Mark Cuban. So those were my sharks and everything went great, but Mark Cuban freaking... He was so that harsh. <laughs> he made me cry on air. And he was just, he was super anti like supplements, which I totally actually am in agreement with. But I don't think I had the opportunity or he didn't really hear me out that like, we are actually trying to clean the supplement space, not be another supplement company. But again, there was no time to like explain that because he was just harping on me the entire like 10 minutes. I think it's part of entertainment, to be honest. Um, but that made me kind of go in shock, I think, after uh, because every entrepreneur actually gets to see a psychotherapist, like a psychologist after the filming because they want to make sure that like you're okay. <laughs> and I was like in such shock and I was like trembling and crying. And I went back to my room and I literally collapsed on the floor. Like I was conscious, but I was just like collapsed of just like the adrenaline. And then, cause I had to, we had to clean up too. So I had all these like jars, I'll send you photos and it's insane. But you know, that experience of like feeling like I was publicly, how do I even say it? Like publicly shamed. Yeah. On T potentially on TV, it hadn't aired yet. And um, so that experience of like, how do I face the world when this comes out, that fear and knowing all the things he said and knowing that he's probably the most successful shark probably in the room, I was kind of like, what if we really are creating nothing? What if we really are like all the things that he says are questioned? So I really had like a hard time after that and kind of getting to terms with like that high and then the, a very peak low but, you know, we walked out with two offers. We didn't take any of them, luckily. Um, but it was a reality TV show. And, you know, I'll just look back on that experience. I'll never think of Mark Cuban the same way, but it is what it is. Yeah. So that's my, like, negative side story. It's, it was training ground, though, right? I mean, and think about it, too, because I, it, you totally dodged, I think, a bullet there, right? Because if, if they had bought in on your business you give away so much of, yeah. of your, of your profits, of your ownership, you give away power, so much stuff. Totally. I don't think people realize that. Totally. And also like, I think aligning with influencers slash celebrities, like you have to be super careful about that because like one thing that they do can impact then everything, right? It's, it was example of good examples like SoulCycle, right? One of their main investors was someone that like people clearly didn't like. And we're very disappointed in that they had that as a main investor when it all came down to it. I think that was also during COVID, right? Yeah. But, you know, again, a good example of like making sure you surround yourself with great people and values aligned, including your cap table, um, which is your investor list, right? Um, in terms of good people and people that have like ex super expanded me, um, 
You know, I, I think it's actually, it's been a lot of our team, you know, the people that have kind of like called me, called me in as well. And I think as a founder often, and this is very recent and something I think about a lot is like as a founder and sometimes as a second time founder, people assume that, you know, maybe you've had some success and stuff. And I, and I don't feel that way. I really don't. But when they feel that they, there's a level of fear, I think, and an intimidation and, you know, people get, I've gotten feedback that maybe I'm scary and I'm kind of like, really? But like, it's that feedback that expands you, right? It's, it's, it's knowing that you can take that in and not be mad about being scary, right? It's like, how do we be then like, oh my God, like, okay, well, how do I now go into my like objective mind and not my thinking mind and make sure that I'm starting to do the work on myself to be like, how is my words and my reaction going to come across, right? Because if it comes across as scary, that's not productive. So again, how do I now as a leader call people in, not call people out? And just being super thoughtful about this transition, I think, from founder to then a CEO, because I think they're very different. Oh my gosh, so pure gold for any and all aspiring leaders right there. Because I think when you get feedback, it's very, or, you know, as human beings, it's our nature to take things personally. But I think as a founder, as a leader of a company, it is our absolute responsibility to be able to hear it, take perspective in it, and know that while you may not specifically agree, you're getting feedback for a reason. And how can you, A, internalize it to, to allow yourself to be better? But what you said there was gold because it is about how you come across, right? So how you're being received, and we obviously aren't on the other receiving side of us. All we can do is just take responsibility for, you know, trying to shift into that more, I guess, empowering place for people to, for us to move people in the direction that we want to be to call them in and rise up to their potential and their capability. So that was pure gold. So if you, maybe you should just go back and listen to that, like rewind just a, a couple of minutes back and, and listen to that again. So I know, I know that your time is so valuable and I, and I I don't want to keep you too much longer here. So if you could come up with just like one more juicy nugget of wisdom, because clearly there's been a lot along the way, what would it be? It was like one, one day, um, one pressure, right? (laughs) Like one thing like maybe around like leadership or people or anything it's like first thing that comes to mind like best advice a golden nugget of wisdom I think the one of the biggest things that at least that I've been thinking about uh has been just like not to get jaded you know I think with so much in life that happens and when the world and social media tells you all the glorious and beautiful things, you kind of think that like, we want to be there. We want to get this. We deserve this. And we start getting into these like expectations of ourselves. And like, you know, I just had my birthday. I turned 34 and I was kind of like, oh, I feel like I should be definitely in a serious relationship by now. Uh, I feel like I should definitely know if I want kids by now. I feel like I should, 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 should. And so there's so much in there to be like, A, have some grace for yourself because you've made up for that in so many different ways. But B, don't get jaded by the fact that like, yes, your your expectations in reality might be quite different. But like keeping that sort of that continuous sort of joy and childlike curiosity is something that like I continue to want and aspire to because 
I just think life is, you know, life is long. You know, I think we all say life is short, but it's also really long. Um, and so I always think the grass is greener on the other side, but the dirt and the the soil is the same. So what I have maybe on this side may look a certain way and what you have on your side, but we're all kind of growing from the same place and we all want very similar things. So it's really important to keep that in mind that nobody's trying to be mean. Nobody is trying to be aggressive. Nobody's trying to lie. We all want the same things, which most times is love and understanding and community and all the great things. And so I think keeping that in mind always helps me get grounded with like, there's nothing to be jaded for. You have everything that you need. Uh, that was, that, that's good. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was actually just talking about this the other day with someone. It, when you boil it down, we all do essentially want the same thing. And it truly is just to improve our own experience here on this on this planet that of you know for ourselves for our loved ones be that the love community all of the things and when you start to see that it's really easy to not get angry with someone and i think to keep that sort of pure pure lens with which we view the world and also knowing that when you kind of look at other people maybe someone does something to make you angry or upset it always comes from a place of that person's like own personal wounds or like a childhood wound. Totally. And when you totally. start to see that, you're like, oh, all right, I'm not really actually mad at you for cutting me off or doing whatever yeah. that thing is. That came from, you know, that was something that happened in your past. <laughs> so yeah. nothing to do with me. Totally, totally. And it makes things so much easier to navigate. Oh my gosh. Yes, so much yes, easier. It does. Yeah. Oh, so I feel like we could just sit here and jam out all day. All right. So I know everyone wants to know more about how they can get into your world. So what's what's the best way for them to get into your world to, to find your products, to get to buy apothecary, you know, the all the such goodness that you guys really have to check it out. So when you're finished, you gotta go check it out. Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's apothecary with a, a little dash over the E and a K, not a C. Uh, so it's apothecary. And we you can find us online, apothecary.co. We're based in Virginia as well. We're in Lorden. Um, and we're a global team at this point, but we ship nationwide. We ship to Canada. We ship to 22 countries. So if you're not in the US, you can still probably get our product. Um, you can find me at Shizu Okusa on my Instagram. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. You can send me a smoke signal. I'll probably see it. We're all available. I am here. I'm happy to answer any questions or any other people that may want to continue the conversation. But it was so nice to be here. And thank you so much for such, such incredible questions. Like, you know, I said at the beginning, like, I love doing these things around the holidays because it allows me to like prep myself for some of the things that I know I need to continue to think about and refine and just get inwards. Mm, appreciate you so grateful for you for your transparency thoughtful answers so sending you so much love and gratitude thank you likewise happy thanksgiving yes we will catch you on the next episode if you like what you heard stop drop and leave a five star review and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. As always, the best way that you can thank our amazing guests is to share your biggest takeaway and then tag us on social media.